Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrob, here with one of two twins that are ready for the real fantasy playoffs to begin. Michael Petrob. The regular season finale, baby. I can't believe we're already this far into the season. I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of mind-blowing to me that this is the regular season finale already. It's crazy because I feel like usually at this point, um, we know pretty much what's going to happen. We have a good idea of it. And now you're just looking for like sleepers, guys who are number two wide receivers, maybe running backs that might get an edge. This year, everything's still kind of up in the air. It's a very crap shooty year like that. Um, so a lot of people probably listening right now are in the playoffs right now. I know for me, three different leagues that I'm in, I'm playing for my playoff life next week. The closest one I'm in is the Brodo Patron League number one. Shout out to the Brodo Patron League. Where I'm, I'm in, in fourth, first place in that one. You are. Yeah. You just beat me recently. You put me in a bad spot. I'm in fourth place. and But I have, I'm tied with the same record, four through eight. And we're separated by like 50 fantasy points. So it's literally going to be winner, winner gets in. I, I have uh, in our family league. With our wives and uh, uh, some a cousin and their significant others, our cousins and their significant others. I um, I'm fighting for my playoff life as well. Mano imano, me versus Darren. Michael, I'm in you, first place in that league too. <laughs> I was gonna say, Michael, you've had a very successful fantasy season. I must say so myself. Um, yeah, probably the best season I've ever had in my life. I'm I'm ready to get a buy in. A bunch of my leagues. It's glorious. I was going to say, are you fighting for the playoffs anywhere? Uh, just one league. Um, Yeah, I need to win and outscore someone by 20. So that's the only league that I'm on the outside looking in. Wow. And, Michael, you have a lot of leagues. Uh, Michael also made the playoffs in the Scott Fish Bowl. Congratulations. Yes, I did, baby. The biggest tournament actually, in fantasy. I made it in through the wild card because uh, I had seven wins and a lot of points. And in the wild card round, there are 48 teams, I believe it was. And the top 10 scoring teams move on to the next round to play the teams who had a bye. And you start with your average score. And the top 10 make it. I'm 11th in scoring of the 48. Mm. So I'm right on the precipice there. So I have a nice little advantage over the vast majority of the field. Nice, nice, nice. I, in my division, I finished third in points, but I finished four and eight. Uh, one of those years. One of those That's years. Rough, yeah. uh, this week, just now, I had Tyree Kill. Um, who did I have? I, 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 would, I, I had a couple of people that went crazy, and I still lost. I had Derrick Henry, so I put up like 188 yeah, points. I was I've, playing... I've had multiple weeks this week putting up 180-plus with my Scott Fish team. This shit is super stacked. Yeah, I lost like 180 to 160. It was, it was really not good. Anyway, though, <laughs> um, we are preparing you for this first week of the playoffs. This is where we shine, baby. Uh, the playoffs are here. If you are listening to this, you already have an well, advantage. Well, the playoffs are here next week, Tim. Don't get ahead no, of yourself. No, I already explained this, Michael. It is the playoffs. Because unless you're uh, you're Michael and you're sitting pretty in all your leagues or you haven't had a good fantasy season, in, in which case, like, let's be honest, like, we follow the numbers where this is our third year. People who fall off in fantasy tend to fall off listening to this podcast um, during that time. So with that... Being said, it's playoff time for the vast majority of people we're talking to right now. So 
get ready. Even though playoffs are next week, we're going to prepare you to fight for your lives. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Jason not here, if you didn't notice. Jason is in the midst of a very important stretch in time for him, so he is sitting these out. He will be back and better than ever next week, geared up for the playoffs. He is actually, his schedule is clearing up big time. So the right, playoffs. right in time for the playoffs, you get one of the better fantasy minds in the entire nation um, back. He was actually the number one overall ranker for quarterbacks this week. F- facts. So uh, even though he's he has interviews and finals and all that stuff, he is still one of the best. I remember last year during finals week, he finished seventh overall in rankings. Um, yeah. So Jason has that uncanny ability to... Um, Uncanny ability to really uh, multitask, but not today, but he will be back. He's obviously missed this week. Next week, he will be back, and he will be better than ever for the playoffs. Um, yeah, if, that- he's not doing, if he's not doing four things at once, he's doing three things at once and looking for a fourth thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that's Jason ever <laughs> since he's a kid. Um, speaking of doing four things at once, I'm trying to win some championships at once. Oh, yeah. And once I win a championship, I'm trying to go to PartyBelts.com and get my championship belt. That is right. PartyBelts.com, the official cha- championship belt of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. With the code BRODO, that's B-R-O-T-O, at checkout, you get 15% off this ill belt. That's right. I just said ill. People haven't used that since 1997, but I did it anyway. It is a nice belt. It's big. It is flashy. It is completely customizable. You could hold beers in the belt. It's one size fits all. And it's not big and bulky and and, and just wasteful like the rest of these belts out here. Um, if you use the promo code BRODO, like I said, B-R-O-T-O, you get... Uh, you get 15% off, which basically means you get free shipping because this thing is already one-tenth of the price of some of these other belts and trophies out there. So again, partybelts.com for the official championship belt of the Brother Fantasy Football Podcast. And Michael, why don't you tell them about Thrive Fantasy? Yeah, uh, download the Thrive Fantasy app or go to thrivefantasy.com and enter or deposit 20 to $50 and the site will match that deposit if you use code B-R-O-T-O-2-0. That's Broto20. It is a DFS site that does um, props. props rather than salaries or things of that sort. So 280 yards passing over under 110 points over 110 points under. You have to choose 10 out of like 20 or so, depending on players on the slate. There's single game slates as well. However many you get right, those points add up. So you could try to play it safe or you could try to go crazy and get all the High-valued ones, which are less likely, of course. But, uh, yeah, you get a whole bunch of points. And if you end on the top of the bracket, then you win some cash money. No Thursday game. And who doesn't want cash money? Cash money. Um, $5,000 in cash money. For those of you who never watched Yo Mama, please go to YouTube and put this M- is MTV. Yo Mama. Yo Mama. And thank <laughs> me later. Um, there's no Thursday game today, which is why we're coming, coming to you on a Thursday night rather than a Wednesday night. Um, it gives us a chance to get some extra information going into the weekend. And it also, um, excuse me, I just burped. Uh, it also is, um, a weird week because there's buys Carolina and Tampa Bay, both on buys. Um, by the, if you are following us only on 
you know, Spotify or the podcast app or wherever you get your podcast, you might not know these inf- this information. So if you want information about the show and about fantasy in general, please follow us at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter, at Brodo Fantasy on Instagram. And on, on top of all of that, BrotoFantasy.com is where you can find all of our articles, our boom bus, our stock up, stock down players, tons, tons, tons extra. The only place where you can find true throw and true target value, one of the best predictive stats in the game today, which we use to have a bunch of our success um, that we have in fantasy and also um, tons, tons extra and patreon.com slash Fantasy to support the show and get an extra episode a week with an episode that you're going to need going into the fantasy playoffs. Um, and you get that once a week for as little as $3 a month. Saints at Falcons is the first game on the Ducat today on the Ducati. On the on the Dakatrot, on the Dikamati. I don't know what the Dikamati is. What's a Dikamati? You think I do? No, I don't. Um, all right. So this these two teams, like it's weird because these two teams just played two weeks ago. So I feel like the, these two teams are in the division. Um, Taysom Hill is at quarterback. Julio Jones did not practice today, so it doesn't look like he's gonna play. It's easy to just look at this. These two teams played last week, so we kind of know what's already gonna happen. But rarely is that the case, especially with division rivals, that both games end up being the same. Um, although the Saints are at home in this game, what do you, what do you, th- I mean, I'm sorry, the Falcons are at home in this game, so that gives them a little bit of an edge, even though there's no fans. Uh, let's start on the Saints side, Michael. Taysom Hill, does he, does he have the same success that he had against the Falcons a short while ago, just two weeks ago? Yeah, uh, Taysom Hill is someone. After last week's performance, a lot of people are a little scared off by Taysom Hill now because he looked so bad as a passer. But honestly, that was just an odd game all around. It really looked like the Saints were just running the ball nonstop for whatever reason and not really trying to throw the ball downfield. And they had a bunch of short passes as well. So, I mean, and it's Atlanta's defense. Like, Taysom Hill played well against them a couple of weeks ago. But that's not the thing with Taysom Hill. Like, the point of Taysom Hill starting in your quarterback slot is... Sure, he'll get some passing yards, but I want the rushing touchdowns. And he's capitalized on that in back-to-back weeks. And he's scoring the goal line touchdowns. He's basically been the Kyler Murray or Josh Allen for the Saints, where when you get to the goal line, you know what? We have Taysom Hill. Just let him run the damn ball into the end zone because he's bigger than the other guys, especially a quarterback. And that's what's been happening. Even last week, he threw for 78 yards on only 16 pass attempts. Like, that's what I mean when I say, they just did not pass the ball a ton at all. 78 yards passing, he ended as the QB 11 because he also had two rushing touchdowns and 44 yards rushing. So, yeah, I think Taysom Hill is a great back-end quarterback play because you have that tremendous rushing floor. In both of his games, he's had at least 10 carries. So you have to want to start a quarterback that's going to get 10 carries. At any point, uh, particularly playing in a Saints offense, you want that. Two weeks ago against the Falcons, he really peppered Michael Thomas with targets. Now, Michael Thomas had a bad game following that. Where do you think Michael Thomas lands? Uh, Do you think he lands where he landed two weeks ago, where he was the target monster? Or do you think he lands worse or somewhere in between? Kind of like a middle ground-ish. I mean, Michael Thomas, obviously last week is a disappointment, but he saw six targets. And like I said, Taysom Hill dropped back to pass 16 times. So that's a big... Target share. He also had four receptions. Taysom Hill only completed nine passes, so almost 
half the completions were to Michael Thomas. Just the the scary part is, are they going to just continue to run the ball down the opponent's throats? Luckily for Michael Thomas, Atlanta thrives against the run and struggles very much so against the pass, which is why he was able to dominate Atlanta last time around. He went 9 for 104 in his first real Michael Thomas-esque game of the season. So I don't know if he's going to be that successful this time around, depending on how this game is played, how much they try to establish the run, and if they're able to establish the run better than they did last time. But I do think he's still a solid wide receiver to play here because nobody on Atlanta could guard him. Um, The secondary options in the passing game were already weak when... No chance. There. Yeah, so... Yeah. No chance he's starting Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, or even Jared Cook. Like Jared Cook has been completely forgotten. In fact, he's getting out snapped by Adam Troutman. That's the backup, right? Adam Troutman. Yeah, Troutman. Yeah, he's getting out snapped. Yeah, because now they're just a run first team. So bring on the guy who could block better. It's like Jared Cook is completely gone from fantasy relevance while Taysom Hill is quarterback. Sanders and Smith, we're talking about a guy who is making his third start ever at QB, who is hardly passing the ball. He had nine completions last week. It's impossible to start any anybody named anybody not named Michael Thomas in the receiving core. That you can't start them, period. Speaking of a run first offense, the Falcons are very good against the run. They've been good against the run all year and they've been better against the run as of late. Right now third in fantasy points against in terms of the running back. That's scary in itself. Um, I have calmed down a little bit over the do I start Alvin Kamara or Latavius Murray um, fever that I had not too long ago. Um, I think that starting Kamara over <clears throat> Murray over Kamara would be a mistake. But at the same time, you got to be nervous because if if Murray outtouches Kamara again, this is no longer just you know. A coincidence. This is a trend yep. now. See, I, I definitely see the why you'd be scared and think maybe I should start Murray over Kamara. But this is a perfect bounce back game here for Kamara, in my opinion, which sounds strange because it's a difficult matchup. But Atlanta has allowed 700 rushing yards on the season, which is the least outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they are really locking down opposing running backs. But they've also given up 422 passing yards, 59 receptions, which is near the top of the league, and four receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs. Only three teams have more than that. So they're getting beat through the air. I really think uh, maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just being naive here. But I said this last week about Tennessee. I said maybe I'm being naive, but I really think they bounced back from that terrible performance against Indy, and they absolutely destroyed Indy. Maybe I'm being naive here. But I think Sean Payton and company realizes, like, yo, Alvin Kamara is one of the best pass-catching receivers maybe ever and has been dominant for us this past year. Atlanta can be beat that way. Maybe we should get this damn guy more involved through the air. So I think we should we could see five-plus targets for Kamara again. Not like Drew Brees level 9, 10, 11 targets a game, but five-plus targets, he could uh, turn that into some huge points. I mean, I hope you're right. Um, I hope you're right. It's going to be up to Taysom Hill. I think all everything that you logically said makes sense. The only problem is, will Taysom Hill make sense of it? I think that's the that's the question. Because, you yeah. know, right now he's playing college offense of look to your first read, which is Michael Thomas. If it's not there, tuck it and run. 
And that's not ideal for an Alvin Kamara-led offense. Let's go over yeah. to the other side. Todd well, Gurley- real quick, Tim. Yeah, go ahead. we got to talk about Latavius Murray, too, who's been uh, okay. a star these last couple weeks. You're right, you're right. Which is just pretty funny to think about with the way that offense typically runs. But over the last two weeks, he has 31 carries, over 160 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Was the RB4 overall last week against oh Denver? God. But like I said, Atlanta has struggled more so against the pass than they have against the run up the up the middle and such like they do with Latavius Murray. He does fit the offensive scheme at this point a little better with Taysom Hill when they try to run the ball. He's more of a downhill runner than Alvin Kamara is. Kamara is more of the shifty, get-in-space type of guy. So I still do think he gets a decent amount of work. It's just it's a hard matchup for someone who is likely to be a little touchdown dependent. So I think he's more of a flex play than a like strong top 20 play. Um, based on these last couple of weeks, you'd think he'd maybe reach that potential there, but I think he's more of a flex play this week. Let's go over to the other side. Todd Gurley looks like he might play, did practice. Uh, the only problem is if Todd Gurley plays, you really don't like him in this game. Uh, Todd Gurley, second worst overall in running backs points adjusted without touchdowns. Per attempt, fantasy points per opportunity minus touchdowns. Another exclusive slat to Brodo Fantasy. Thank you to the creator of that stat, Santiago Casanova, one of our writers and one of our contributors, and just an overall great dude. Um, so that lack of production, plus the fact that New Orleans, Michael, how many consecutive games do you think the Saints have not allowed a hundred yard rusher? I'm gonna give you a hint. It's the fourth longest streak in NFL history. I was going to say, this has to date back to last season. I'm going to go like uh, 22 games. 49 consecutive games the New Orleans Saints have not allowed a 100-yard rusher. This is a legit um, run defense. And last week, they they are now the team that have given up the least amount of points to fantasy running backs. So not a matchup you like anyway. But if Gurley plays, what's good? What do you say? And I mean, Edo, I chose Brian, Brian Hill, Edo Smith also, like, if they play, I, I think you could sit all of them if you're in a must-win. Yeah, Gurley against New Orleans was my bust pick a couple of weeks ago uh, when he was being ranked as a top-20 running back. The dude ended with three fantasy points. Yuck. Missed the game with an injury. Not even sure if he's going to play. And now he gets New Orleans again. Like, the New Orleans is a super stout defense. Todd Gurley has been... Super touchdown dependent. His overall fantasy points look great because he has nine touchdowns on the year. But if he doesn't find the end zone, he's you're going to be very upset you started him. I'm certainly not looking forward to playing Todd Gurley if he's active. And then Brian Hill and Edo Smith, at least if Todd Gurley's active, he's probably going to be seeing 70-plus percent of snaps. Right. Edo Smith and Brian Hill basically split it down the middle last week. Same thing with the touches. Edo Smith actually even out-targeted Brian Hill by four. So, two guys platooning backups against New Orleans, no thank you. Yeah, for sure. No thank you with a big N-O and a big T and a big Oh, get it? Oh, I thought you were going to say big N-O because of New Orleans. I thought you were being smart. But then you added the T. But then you added the T. Julio Jones is doing his Julio Jones thing. Did not practice today, but that doesn't mean he's not going to play. He'll be a game-time decision again, so wait on that Julio Jones train. I'm not excited to play him either way in this matchup, but you do play him. 
um, if he plays. He's Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley also limited in practice, but he looks like he's going to play. After embarrassing himself last game and dropping a wide-open touchdown, Zacchaeus is out. He's on the IR. Um, That leaves, uh, what's his name, Russell Gage, who hasn't been a real fantasy option in a long time. How do you feel about these pass-catching options for the for the Falcons. I mean, yeah, at this point it's start Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones if they're active, period. Like even though Matt Ryan has been like he's really regressed uh this season overall, still Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are very productive when on the field. I'm starting those two, period. That's it. Like I'm not looking at Gage or Christian Blake or anyone else. And then Hayden Hurst is an interesting option because yo, the tight end landscape is so ridiculously bad. That Hayden Hurst against New Orleans sounds like a good idea, despite the fact that Hayden Hurst scored zero points on zero receptions two weeks ago against New Orleans. And that's just the way the tight end landscape is. Like, even though it was that terrible, Hayden Hurst still is involved in the offense, getting targets, can possibly catch a touchdown. So I don't hate the idea of giving Hurst another shot here because New Orleans really hasn't been that great against the tight end this year, despite the fact that they held Hurst to a donut. And if Julio doesn't play, Hurst will likely be more involved. So I do think Hurst is at least a decent streaming option. A lot of nice streaming options at quarterback this week, which makes me feel like you can avoid Matt Ryan with confidence. Um, I'm trying yeah. to avoid him. People are, I, I saw a bunch of people like, smart people for the last several weeks saying like oh don't drop matt ryan like what makes matt ryan like so special that you can't drop matt ryan and don't at this ask point, me i've been, been hating on the dude since he was the mvp and at this point he's been so mediocre for like so long this season that it just doesn't make sense to want to trust matt ryan or to hold matt ryan like sure he had he had two big games to start the year 25 and 29 points Besides that, he has one game inside the top 10. Ugh. So, yeah, no thank you. No, no thank you. Anyone else want to talk about in this game, Mike? Um, Young Ho Koo. Really? Actually pronounced Young Way Koo. Just, he's a fucking MVP candidate, dude. The dude doesn't stop kicking field goals. I just had to shout him out because the dude is a monster. He put up 21 points last week. All right. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, let's go on to the Bengals at the Dolphins. Uh, interesting right. matchup here because of the uncertainty at quarterback on both sides. Um, so let's get it started with the side that you're probably not going to play many people on, and that is the Bengals side. Right now, the Bengals are not looking good because their star quarterback uh, is out and will be out for a long time, and they have to rely on a guy named Brandon Allen. With that being said, though, T. Higgins got himself a touchdown, had himself a good game last week. For me, seeing how Higgins was involved in the offense, I am a little more confident than I was last year, last week playing him, but I'm still not looking forward to playing any other wide receivers for the Bengals right now. Yeah, so unfortunate, man, the Joe Burrow injury because Higgins and Boyd were easy wide receiver twos each week, and now, like you said, they get... Uh, the Dolphins this week with Brian Allen still at quarterback, and they struggled mightily to move Brandon, the ball Brandon against Allen. the Giants. Brandon, Brandon Allen. And they struggled mightily to move the ball against the Giants. Now they get Miami with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard on the outside, who so that's been one of the best duos this year when healthy. I, I think Tyler Boyd 
is the slightly better option here because he works out of the slot and doesn't see Byron Jones and Xavier Howard as much as T. Higgins will be seeing them. But it's really hard to trust either of them as wide receiver. Like anything other than low ceiling wide receiver threes flex plays at this point. Like that whole offense is completely different. Same goes for Gio Bernard. At this point, he's a low ceiling flex play. And that's it. Like you can't start anyone else on that team either. And Miami has a solid defense and it's been getting better throughout the year. So it's just, it's, it's upsetting, but what are you going to do? Gio Bernard is also a piece that I don't want anything to do with at the moment. I guess if I'm, if I'm desperate, you know, Gio, the, the arc of Gio is unfortunate because he had two great games in the absence of Gio Bernard and, and he was great. Absence of Joe Mixon. In the absence of Joe Mixon, sorry. And then he ran into two really, really hard matchups. Then Joe Burrow got injured. So what was this great light, shining light on your team if you picked up Gio Bernard? You're like, oh, my God, I could start him. I could start him. Looks like, eh, I'm, I'm not really interested. You know, low-end wide receiver, running back three territory, this guy. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's definitely uh, his stock is way down. It's the same as everyone on that team without Joe Burrow. Let's go over to the Dolphins. Um, another quarterback toss-up and another situation where the quarterback's going to make a big difference in how you feel about these guys. Because if Ryan Fitzpatrick's on the field, you feel great about the, the uh, you feel great about Devontae Parker. Um, you feel better about the running back situation. I I think maybe Mike Isiki you feel better with with Tua, but that's really the only guy. How nah, you feel? No way. All right, all right. So how you feeling, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I said last week, if Ryan Fitzpatrick takes over a quarterback, I'm moving Parker way up in my rankings, which I did. And I said I'm making, I'm moving Gesicki up into a streamable tight end territory, which I did as well. And he ended up finding the end zone. There is a 0% chance going back to Tua helps anyone in this offense because they go from a let Ryan Fitzpatrick sling the ball fun offense to a let Tua manage the game. Let's run the ball and play defense offense when Tua is on the field. I really hope they stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has a this is a great streaming matchup. Like that's all you have to know about these two as well. If if Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing, you're playing him as a QB one. If two is playing, you're not even considering him. Like I got Devontae Parker as my wide receiver 14 right now, tentatively with Ryan Fitzpatrick in my mind. I'm gonna move him down to wide receiver three if Tua comes in. Because yeah. Tua just doesn't throw as much and he he doesn't have that rapport that Fitz has with Parker. Like Fitz and Parker are like best friends when on the field like they have a strong strong connection dating back to last season so i really hope for parker and gasicki state uh stake because honestly uh, gasicki's sake i said steak <laughs> Jeez, louise i got steak on my mind a the nice medium wear oh yeah the gasicki steak <laughs> yeah i mean it's a good matchup cincinnati has been porous to the tight ends at times but gasicki was also terrible with two under center so yeah, it's all Ryan Fitzpatrick here for me. Otherwise, I'm not playing Gasicki and Parker drops down to wide receiver three territory rather than the high-end wide receiver two that I have him at now. Let's talk about the backfield. Salvin Ahmed is back. Ahmed, excuse me, is back. Miles Gaskin uh, could return. According to beat writers, Miles Gaskin is not only going to return but also play a key role in the game. Um, the athletic beat writers expect Miles Gaskin to be the workhorse back that he was, despite Salvin Ahmed having a couple of good games. Um, are you trusting Miles Gaskin enough 
to put him in your starting lineup as soon as he gets off the IR? I'm fine with putting him in the flex. Uh, I don't really want to trust him as a top 24 running back just yet. And Cincinnati has actually been pretty solid against the uh, against the run. They're in the top half uh, defending the run for fantasy purposes. I got Miles Gaskin as my running back 27 at the moment. So I'm actually eight above consensus on him. I agree in that if he's healthy, he's going to be the guy. I mean, this is a team that gave Salvan Ahmed 80 plus percent of the touches, dude. When this guy was just not even in anyone's thoughts two weeks prior. Like, clearly they're trying to go with a lead dog. That's what Miles Gaskin has been all year when healthy. And they thought maybe he'd come back last week. Seems like they're trying to play it safe with him a little bit to get him back completely healthy. They're in the playoff hunt. I'm I'm believing in uh in Miles Gaskin really getting back into it if he returns. So I do think he's a strong flex play uh this week as long as he's healthy. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? No, sorry. All right, let's go on to the Jaguars at the Vikings. Big news, first and foremost, Viking side, Adam Thielen activated off COVID, the COVID list yesterday. He is set to play. That changes, that changes things around a little bit. Justin Jefferson was absolutely fantastic in his absence. Dude is so good. I mean, this, this Vikings offense, um, we've mentioned it many times, funnel offense. Adam Thielen's going to eat against the bad Jaguars defense. Um, Justin Jefferson is going to eat against the bad Jaguar, Jaguars defense. And... I mean, no Irv Smith. Kyle Rudolph did have go seven for eight for uh, six. I put 698 yards in my notes. Uh, 60, Hot damn. 68, 68 yards, I think, or 69 yards. If he went for 698 <laughs> yards, would, would he have beaten uh, Tyreek Hill's fantasy numbers? Yeah. yeah he would have. <laughs> yes, he would have. Um, oh, just by a tad, though, by like, by like 12 <laughs> points. Um, Hilarious. On 78% of snaps. Um, these pass catching options are pass catching options you want. I don't know if I'd necessarily play Kyle Rudolph, but those wide receivers are getting played. Yeah, you have to start them, period. And it's uh, Kirk Cousins was someone I wasn't super excited about streaming when the week first started. Jacksonville's terrible against the run. But then yesterday, Gary Kubiak, the every everywhere he goes has a terrific running game. He comes out and says he thinks Dalvin Cook is beat up a little bit. And then Mike Zimmer was like, oh, no, Dalvin Cook's fine. And then I saw a report saying they might ease up on Dalvin Cook a little bit down the stretch since he, they're working him so hard and now he's getting banged up a bit. So, I mean, look, if that's the case, and Kirk Cousins, people are highly underrating how good Kirk Cousins has been this year. Ever Like, he had that atrocious game against Indy week two and they started the season 0-2, and, and then the tank for Trevor talk started. Everyone started making fun of how bad Kirk Cousins is. Since then, he's been rock solid, dude. Like, he has 23 touchdowns this season, 11 intos. He is second overall in true throw value. Second overall behind uh, Aaron Rodgers. Every single time the ball comes out of his hands, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are getting a pass from a quarterback, producing more fantasy points than any other quarterback every time the ball leaves his hands besides Aaron Rodgers. So, yes, I think Kirk Cousins is a strong streaming option this week. And Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson both have wide receiver one overall potential every single week. And Justin Jefferson's uh, floor has been scary at times. But over the last three weeks, I know Adam Thielen was out last week. But he's been wide receiver 14, 13, and 7. I don't even think so his floor is scary to... anymore. He had that one bad game, and it's been great since then. Yeah, and look... The dude is just a baller, too. Like, Adam Thielen and so good. 
Justin Jefferson, I think, are the second and third ranked wide receivers on PFF as well. Like, these guys are just balling out, and you have to play them, period. And I do think Kyle Rudolph is a interesting streaming option as long as Irv Smith remains out and Irv Smith missed practice. So I do think uh, Kyle Rudolph enters the streaming territory because he's been decent with uh, Irv Smith out. The, the tight end in that offense has always been good. It's just that it's been being shared over the last couple of years, and now it's not being shared anymore because Irv Smith is out. Justin Jefferson is the truth. All right, so yes, I, I also love Kirk Cousins as a streaming candidate uh, this week. Interesting thing you said, Michael, because it's something that I think needs to be discussed is how they want to lighten the load on Dalvin Cook because you know that Dalvin Cook versus anyone is a good matchup versus the Jaguars is a outstanding A-plus-plus matchup. So is there a chance that the Vikings get out to a little bit of an early lead, maybe Dalvin Cook rushes for two touchdowns, and then Alvin Alexander Madison gets involved how are you feeling about maybe taking a flyer on playing Alexander Madison in a Latavius Murray type um, situation, hopefully? I actually don't hate that idea, Tim. I think Alexander Madison is very interesting flex appeal this week, and it's scary to trust someone based on um, game script and things of that sort. But, I mean, we've seen Alexander Madison have two different games this year where he got double-digit carries with Dalvin Cook on the field, and it was two games where they had a big lead over the other team in Atlanta and Detroit. If that happens again, I would not be shocked if Alexander Madison has another 10-15 to 15 carry game. And now with the, with the uh, report that they might try to lay off Dalvin Cook even a tiny bit, if that's two to three more carries for Madison against the Jacksonville front seven that has been very porous this year he could be a interesting option i don't want to trust him like if if i am a good team but like if i'm fighting for a playoff spot and i really got hit bad with injuries and such and you need to pick someone up off the wire if alexander madison finds the end zone he could end up like a top 30 option this week only 39 percent rostered right now and i think it, i think it's 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 important to note that dalvin cook could have a great game in limited time, so I'm not worried about him. Um, yeah, you have to start Dalvin Cook, obviously. Right. But Alexander Madison could, could, could. I don't know. He's he's one of my favorite like uh, sneaky plays this week. Uh, even if you're fighting for a spot, remember there there are two buys this week, so it's it's not like usual week 13s where you've been ch- you're chilling with your whole team, and you're talking about two teams that have a lot of fantasy viable players. You're talking about the the Panthers, and you're talking about the the Buccaneers, who both Ronald Jones, Mike. Uh, Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey would have maybe all been in starting lineups. Um, maybe not Mike Davis. Mike Davis or Christian McCaffrey would have been in starting lineups this week otherwise. Yeah. So people need to fill that running back slot. On the other side, someone who has James Robinson on their roster does not need to fill a running back slot. The dude is nice. Nothing about the Vikings matchup makes you not want to play him. But that's really the only guy on this team that I am playing. DJ Chark might play. I might consider playing DJ Chark maybe as a low-key wide receiver three uh, if he does play. But outside of James Robinson, uh, I mean, the Vikings are a good matchup, but I just I just don't want to play anybody with Mike Glennon throwing in the ball. Yeah, I mean, shout out Mike Glennon for actually looking solid last ah, week. Though. I don't know like, if he looks solid. You look at the numbers. Dude. They were terrible. I think you're bugging out a little bit. I mean, he played a very decent game. He, he, he was on the like, other side. He averaged less than seven yards a, a a throw, you know, he was just being, he was a good, kind of just like he was a game manager, which he did well, I guess. But I mean, I don't know. He got Jacksonville onto the other side of the field 
over and over against Cleveland. So he played better than I expected is all I'm saying. Um, but with that being said, yeah, I agree in that you can't really trust the options too much. DJ Chark is expected to return at the moment, I believe. So, I mean, I would slot him in as a wide receiver three because he has the upside to, like, even his first game with Jake Luton, we saw the first play of the game, DJ Chark, 75-yard touchdown. He could pull that off at any time. He's by far the most, uh, the, the biggest threat of those wide receivers at the moment. So I do think he has a wide receiver three appeal there. I don't want to trust Cole or Chenault in no way at all. And then, you, yo, James Robinson, though, the market share that he receives in his backfield is, like, unheard of. This dude gets, like, 95-plus percent of the touches in that backfield. It's basically Christian McCaffrey of last season, and we're talking about a UDFA running back. And, honestly, he's earning it because he continues to put in work. He's on a terrible team that is constantly trailing, and he's averaging over four and a half yards per carry. Like, he catches the ball pretty well as well. So, I mean, shout out James Robinson because having a superb season for a UDFA. Already over 1,100 total all-purpose yards on the season, and he has five games left to go. Dude is balling out. I think he has staying power, too. Honestly, I think that this is a guy that's going to be relevant for years to come in fantasy because he just runs well. Like, you could just tell. Like, he never goes down the first hit. Just He just runs really well. Yeah, it's just the thing that concerns me is the – like the Philip Lindsay scenario and mm. that Philip Lindsay was a star UDFA back. And then they just, the Broncos just won't commit to the damn guy. I, I mean, clearly here Jacksonville has heavily committed to Robinson, but I wouldn't be entirely shocked if they try to bring someone else in next yeah. year. Different, different body types though. I think Robinson is built for, for this. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? Uh, maybe Tyler Eifert. No, I mean, I'm not trusting more than one, Mike Glennon receiver, and that one is DJ Chark. Yeah, man, and, you know, he scored the touchdown last week, Tyler Eifert, but, again, these tight ends, man, if they score a touchdown, they're going to be in the top 12 probably. So that was yeah. that was the case. Let's go on to the next game, a game that um, if you're interested in, like, actual playoff races, um, does have some appeal. If you're interested in some tank races, has some appeal. And if you're interested in fantasy, more appeal than you might imagine. The Raiders at the Jets uh, coming into this game. Let's start on the Raiders' side because the Raiders laid an absolute fucking atrocious, stinky, cartoon-like green stench lines coming out of the top of that shit pile last week against the the Falcons. Um, That does not stop me from wanting to play them against the Jets. Um, It should be made clear that the Jets have been tanking all year. They have not made it a surprise. They have not made it a secret. And part of that tanking is trading away all your good players. They traded away Steve McClendon. They traded away uh, Avery Williamson. They they gave away Pierre Desir, who apparently was better than I thought because the secondary has been even more terrible without him. This team has been has given up the most points to fantasy wide receivers in the last six weeks. Um, look, they suck. The Raiders had a bad game. I'm not letting that stop me. I'm streaming Nelson Aguilar, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I would stream Derek Carr in this matchup, even though it's not the sexiest thing to do because of last week. I'm really excited about Darren Waller, and I'm even considering Hunter Renfro if I'm in a really deep league. How do you feel about what I just said, Mike? Yeah. um, 
I basically agree with everything you said. The thing is, this is the funny thing about fantasy football. The recency bias that occurs. Because, like, three weeks ago, Derek Carr had a subpar game against Denver, right? Like, he only had seven fantasy points. They really ran the ball a lot against Denver. So no one was like, oh, no one's really expecting a huge game against Kansas City. And then he goes off. He goes off against Kansas City, and everyone's like, oh, he's a tremendous start against Atlanta. Has probably the worst game of his career against Atlanta. Now he gets the Jets, and nobody wants to start him. Imagine if he had a great game against Atlanta. People would be ranking the dude in their top five probably this week against the Jets. 100,000%. Same so, thing, same thing like, with Aguilar. If Aguilar had caught a big touchdown in that game, he would have been wide receiver, high-end wide receiver two rankings right now. Exactly. So I'm... I agree with you in that I think Derek Carr... Look, I'm never going to rank Derek Carr inside my top eight quarterbacks. Like, there's just too much variance with this play, and they like to run the ball. Um, They're playing a bad defense in the Jets. So, I'm never going to rank these guys like a top eight option. But I have him as my QB 13 this week, and I'm certainly okay with starting him. I'm not expecting another debacle debacle like they had against Atlanta last week. Like, they're atrocious. The Jets are an atrocious team overall. And like you said, they just started giving away all their best defensive players. So, yeah, I think Derek Carr is a strong streaming option. Obviously, you played Darren Waller in this tight end landscape. Nelson Aguilar, 5 for 50 last week, so it wasn't even like a terrible game, despite the fact Derek Carr was absolutely atrocious. He continues to be the biggest uh, weapon for Derek Carr outside of Darren Waller in the passing game. And the Jets secondary is awful, so I am all aboard the Nelson Aguilar in your wide receiver three spot train as well, or flex spot. This is definitely a game to chase here for him. Trent Brown. So he had an interesting... So if you don't know who Trent Brown is, he's the left tackle, star left tackle for the um, Raiders. He has had an interesting turn of events because he had gotten a shot for something. And he got complications from the shot because an air bubble went in. And he's And he's been out since week five. He's supposed to come back this week. So that's a huge boost as well. We know Derek Carr does better when he has time in the pocket. And we know that a north-south runner like Josh Jacobs definitely um, benefits from having Trent Brown on the field. With that being said, there's no guarantee that Josh Jacobs even plays this week. So let's talk about Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker. If Jacobs plays, how do you feel about him? If he doesn't play, how do you feel about Booker? Uh-huh. So I also want to say definitely not starting Hunter Renfro. Just want to throw that out there. I don't care if he had nine targets last week. The dude isn't very good. I think that um, you have to care about that. I think that if you're in a deep league, Hunter Renfro is a name that I would consider starting. Nah, it's just because Carr had to drop back to throw a million times, and that offense was just atrocious last week. So, no, nah, I'm not buying it. Uh, but Josh Jacobs, look, another one here where if he didn't on, have on, as despicable. I'm just, I'm just feeling this. I'm sorry. You want to make a bet? Hunter Renfro, top 40 wide receiver. Oh, I'm all about that. All right, let's do it. All right, I got to write this down. Write it down. Um, I'll, I'll sing I'll sing in the meantime to keep the listeners interested. I didn't really mean that. Are you really writing it down right now? Come on, Michael. Use that brain of yours. What the fuck are you doing? What? You were just singing, so I was waiting for you to stop <laughs> singing. Anyways, um, yeah. Jacobs has been DNP the first two days of practice, Wednesday, Thursday. He's going to have to at least log a limited on Friday to have a chance to play, but it's looking a little bleak right now, and the Jets are a glorious matchup. I know last week was absolutely atrocious, but 
Josh Jacobs has been up and down this year. So if he does play, you're playing him as an RB2 in a good matchup. Like, I don't think that's even a question. I think he would play I know as an RB1. last week. Yeah, I know last week was terrible, but whatever. Like, it happens. He has another game this season against Tampa Bay where he was basically just as bad. He had 10 carries for 17 yards. So, and then the next week he was running back 15, the next week 10, then the running back two. So it's his backfield. So everyone needs to chill out a little bit. Um, but with that being said, I have him at uh, RB15 at the moment. If Devontae Booker is the starting running back, I'll probably have him roughly RB18 to 20 area. Um, they do have Jalen Richard active. Theo Riddick actually just came off the COVID list. So he's going to be active. Hmm. Knowing John Gruden will probably be like, I love this guy, Theo Riddick, man. And then Riddick's going to see like 100 touches this game. So I I do prefer, like, I don't agree with what you said on like the review pod where it might be better for those who manage Josh Jacobs for him to just be out and to play Devontae Booker. I just believe more in Josh Jacobs' skill level. But I do think he'll still be a viable RB2 replacement for Jacobs. All right, fine. Shit all over my parade. Shit all over my parade. Um, anyone else you want to talk about in this game? Uh, no. Both defenses are interesting. Well, not the Jets' defense. I don't know why I said both. The Raiders' defense is interesting. They're an atrocious defense, but the Jets are equally an atrocious offense. It's and funny. We haven't, even talk- game, yeah, we haven't even talked about the Jets yeah. yet. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Jets, Kobe, because the Jets are surprisingly fantasy relevant in this game because... As ugly as it sounds, and I'm not doing it in any league, so if you want to do it, go ahead. Frank Gore against a very bad rushing defense doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. I mean, am I crazy? No. uh, It's back-to-back weeks with Frank Gore as a top-20 running back now that Pete Ryan is on IR, and it's super gross, but he certainly has some flex appeal here against Las Vegas because even when the Jets are getting blown out, they'll run the ball on 1st and 10 and 2nd and 9 with Frank Gore. As ridiculous as that sounds, that's just the way it is. And he has a couple catches as well in each of the last two games. Like, he's just been a workhorse without Michael Pirine there to steal carries from him. So, yeah, it's disgusting. But he's certainly worth a look in the flex. Um, But he does have a very limited ceiling. Like, someone... All right, someone I prefer to Frank Gore, like, if we're going for upside, is Brashad Perriman. I got a question Um, for you, Michael. Would you rather play Latavius Murray or Frank Gore? Murray. Would you rather play Alexander Madison or Frank Gore? Gore. Okay, so that gives you kind of the an idea. Uh, so what are you saying about Perriman? Because I, I think Perriman is, is an interesting uh, is interesting name. It, it, it should be said, though, that he was limited in practice. Um, but Brashad Perriman is an interesting name. Eh, he's not supposed to be, like, actually hurt or anything. Um, yeah, I think he's a very, very, very interesting wide receiver three flex guy here and I know you don't want to trust a Jets wide receiver I mean Sam Darnold has four passing touchdowns on the season I don't blame you but this is three straight weeks where Perriman has been highly involved and super productive the reason I liked Brashad Perriman so much going into this season is because everywhere he's gone he has had a high yards per reception and he was finally able to show that last year with Jameis Winston in Tampa and I thought maybe he could be a downfield guy for Darnold in that offense And he got hurt early in the year. But now that he's back, he's doing just that. Like, he's averaging 16 yards per reception on the season. Against uh, New England, 
five catches, 100 yards against the Chargers, two catches, 54 yards against Miami, four catches, 79 yards. Like he's going downfield early and often, and he's been a top 33 wide receiver each of the last three weeks. He's going to go up against Damon Arnett on most of his snaps, and Arnett is allowing over 12 yards per target on the season. Um, He's allowing over two fantasy points every time he's targeted on the season, and Perriman got targeted eight times last week by Darnold. He was looking his way a lot downfield. So I'm all aboard the Perriman train this week, man. Uh, What about Denzel Mims? Since coming back from his uh, injury, he's gotten 27% of the snaps. Uh, Another eight targets last week from Sam Darnold. How do you feel about Mims in this game? Do you think he's worth anything? 27% 27% of the targets, not the snaps. Targets, targets, excuse me. Big difference in what in, the, in that yeah. one. Excuse me, that was a, that was a big uh, mistake. Yeah, Denzel Mims also has been solid. Four for 62, three for 71, four for 67. Also being targeted uh, downfield. He's looking pretty good. I think he's more of a uh, flex play. Like, I'm not trying to buy into two Jets receivers, and I'm buying more into Prashad Perriman. So, I'm not trying to buy into two Jets receivers here, but I do think there's a chance Mims finally catches his first touchdown as well because that Las Vegas secondary is highly beatable, and he's also been seeing looks downfield and generally looks like a uh, a very good wide receiver in the making currently. It's hard to really judge because it's the Jets, but Denzel Mims has certainly looked like uh, he was certainly worth the draft pick in the second round. I mean, Jameson Crowder also looks like he might be a good play, but there's no way that Sam Darnold supports three wide receivers. So, yeah, you know, play any of these, yeah, play any of these Jets with a grain of salt because it could be any one of them. But I think one of them goes off. I just don't know which one. Yeah, I mean, since Crowder got hurt and came back, he's seen two, four, and five targets. No, thank you. No way I'm trusting him this week against Las Vegas. Let's move on to our next game, the Colts at the Texans. Colts and Texans are the next game on the Dakot. Um, so obviously the Wolf Fuller PED suspension is the big story. When I, in one of the leagues that I'm telling you that I'm in, I'm in my fight for my playoff life this week, I have Mike Evans on by and Will Fuller who just went down my really strong. Oh, and I have DJ Moore who was, who's on a buy on the same team. So my really strong, um, Wide receiver core the last couple of weeks has been completely decimated. My um, three wide receivers. I'm, I'm going to be starting Nelson Aguilar in his spot, but there's some other guys that you could start instead. Interesting stuff, excuse me, from the Athletics, Aaron Reese, who is the Texans beat reporter, about what's going to happen in terms of who's taking the place of Will Fuller. First, he says that Kiki QT will be the Texans' number two receiver going forward. If you look at the numbers, it just makes sense. He also says that he expects Isaiah Coulter uh, to see more action down the stretch. So Michael mentioned on the on the waiver pod that Isaiah Coulter owned in zero, I mean rostered in zero percent of leagues, is someone to keep an eye on. And finally, and this is the one that intrigues me the most, Aaron Reese expects Jordan Atkins, Akins, which one, Michael? Atkins or Akins? Akins, man. Jordan Akins. The tight end, if you don't know, is going to get more snaps out of the slot down the stretch. Now, this is very, very sexy. Very, very sexy. I think Jordan Akins is someone who can make a difference on a fantasy roster, especially at tight end. How are you feeling about these 
moves and shifts in the absence of uh, Will Fuller. I just want to say how upsetting the Will Fuller loss is. A lot of the best fantasy teams in your league likely had Will Fuller. More like Will shaping... Fuller shit. True. He was shaping up to be one of the best uh, wide receiver value picks this year. Like He's been a lock and loaded wide receiver one all season. Fantasy, MV... upsetting, fantasy but... MVP conversation. Yeah, but boy, oh boy, does this make Brandon Cooks that much more yummy because Brandon Cooks was already a basically a top 20 wide receiver option, and now Will Fuller's gone. Like, And you're not going to convince me that Kiki QT and Isaiah Coulter are going to end up eating all those snaps. Not buying it, or even Jordan Aikens. Brandon Cooks should be even more involved than he has been, which is just amazing because... The games where he's seen at least nine targets this year, he ended as wide receiver 19, wide receiver 7, wide receiver 3. I'm expecting he's going to see nine or more targets this week against Indy. So I do think Brandon Cooks is a very strong play. Like you said, Jordan Akins, it's interesting, but that tight end room is getting packed because like Darren Fells is still playing. Even Farrell Brown is getting mixed in now, and he started playing more when... uh. Fells got hurt, and I guess they liked what he saw because he's been staying on the field. So I don't want to look. He's certainly in this tight end landscape. I'd add Jordan Akins. I wouldn't want to trust him this week, though. Like, I don't want to wait and see first. But I do think he's a interesting guy to add and stash if you're tight end needy. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm trying to start him this week if I'm in need because it's the tight. It's a, it's tight end. I mean, I don't hate the idea. What are you waiting for? Depending on the you know? yeah, depending on the tight ends, he might be your best option. Who are you starting instead? Fucking Austin Hooper. Jonah, Austin Hooper, Jonah, sure. Jonah Smith. Like none of these these guys aren't exciting you. Well Mark Andrews is on the COVID list. He has he has diabetes. So we don't even know how he's gonna react. So it's it's interesting. Did you talk about Kiki QT? You I I lost my train of thought there for a second. You didn't Yeah, right? uh no, I have not. Kiki QT, he'll have some flex appeal with Will Fuller gone. Like targets from Deshaun Watson are glorious, especially now with um, what's his face with Bill O'Brien fired? Deshaun Watson is throwing, I think, 19 touchdowns, zero interceptions Woo-wee. since that occurred. The dude has been unreal. He's been the quarterback one in that time span. So losing Will Fuller certainly sucks. But Kiki QT, now is your time to shine. I've been pretty hesitant about trusting Kiki QT. I'm not certain that he'll be that Will Fuller guy or if he'll just keep that Randall Cobb slot type of role, which he has been during his young career. So if you want to stick him in your flex and take the shot, I don't hate the idea, but just don't be super upset if it doesn't work out. Some people just have other teams' numbers, and Derrick Henry has the Colts' number. But that being said, the Colts' rushing defense has not been bad this year. The Colts' defense in general has not been bad this year. David Johnson could be back. He was activated off the IR, but again, you could have someone active off the IR, and they have three weeks to return now with the new COVID rules. So we don't know if he's going to be back, but if he is, David Johnson, Duke Johnson, how are you feeling about these Johnsons? Why did you bring up Derrick Henry? I'm confused. Because he slashed the Colts last week, even though the Colts... Oh, that's what you meant. Okay. I was confused. I was like, Derrick Henry's not playing the Colts. Yeah. uh, Prior to the last week, Indy has been very good against the run. So that was just a it's just Derrick Henry slobber being, yeah, it's just Derrick, Derrick Henry, Henry being yeah. Derrick Henry. Being Derrick you, Henry. You can't like he's not running back. He's Derrick Henry. He plays the yeah. position Derrick Henry, 
and he's just a, a beast all on his own that no one else. He's just such a unique force. You can't it's really the Henry <laughs> Baiba. Yeah, it's just Henry. It's just yeah. Henry. Uh, the, like you said, the David Johnson IR window has opened. If he's active, I'm staying away from the backfield. Uh, DJ is the preferred option if he's active because I assume he'll get his role back. If he's inactive, look, Duke Johnson doesn't have the matchup that he did last week against Detroit, but I do think he'll get a little more involved in the passing game with Will Fuller gone. His touchdown as uh, his touchdown last week was a 30-yarder where he lined up on the outside. Oh, no, he didn't line up on... I, I'm blanking. I can't recall if he lined up on the outside or ran a wheel route. But he did line up on the outside multiple times during the game as well. Maybe that increases with Will Fuller leaving. I think he's more of a lower-end RB2 flex play in a much more difficult matchup than he had last week against Detroit. And let's not forget, he has been letting most fantasy managers down prior to that. Um, So I don't want to... And Detroit is Detroit. Exactly. And Detroit is Detroit. But... He's likely going to see 10-plus touches and maybe get even more involved in the passing game, which would be huge um, with Will Fuller gone. So I do think he certainly still has RB2 appeal here, barring the fact that David Johnson returns. If He he has to not return to use Duke Johnson. You have no doubt about playing Deshaun Watson here, do you? Because, I mean, like you said, he's been the the quarterback one. So, like, let's say that, I see Kirk Cousins is on the waiver wire and I have a free spot. Would you consider picking up Kirk Cousins and starting him for Deshaun Watson? Or are you rolling with Deshaun Watson, missing his number one target against a great defense? Uh, despite, But he's been great. So it's like you have those two sides of the coin. Which side are you picking? Yeah, Deshaun Watson easily. I'm starting Deshaun Watson, period. I mean, he's been the number one overall quarterback back-to-back weeks. So that's how good he's been. I'm starting Deshaun Watson. All right, let's go to the Colts, the, the team that I don't like covering the most in fantasy. I'm just being <clears> honest because there's just no guarantees on this entire team. It sucks. Um, but let's go to those guarantees. The Texans have been allowing a lot of points to fantasy quarterbacks. Is Phillip Rivers a streamer? Yeah, uh, I liked Phillip Rivers as a streaming option um, last week as well. He's been a lot better than he was in the beginning of the year. He now has three excuse me four excuse me five of his last six games as quarterback 13 or better so it's basically he's been a QB one five of his last six games one of those games um no he has not faced Houston now he's facing Houston secondary is a bad defense um for some reason I was thinking he played Houston already he has not hit the foot injury scares me a little bit he did play through it last week though but um one of the Colts offensive lineman, I'm blanking on which one it is, said that he it's a worse injury than they're making it seem. They also lost Anthony Costanzo, which is huge. He's been one of the best offensive linemen in the league. In the uh especially for that line. Like he's been a backbone of that line for several years now. So that's a big loss. But I still think Philip Rivers certainly has some streaming appeal here against Houston because I mean he's been throwing the ball a ton and he's been productive. So I yeah, I think he's a decent streaming option here. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. If he's going to have a big game, then his wide receivers are going to have a big game. At least one of them is. Michael Pittman, down game last week. Um, do you lose hope, or are you still playing Michael Pittman? Yeah, I'm still playing Michael Pittman. Yes, he had the down game last week, 
but the dude saw nine targets. He only went two for 28 on those nine targets, which is really bad, but it's nine targets nonetheless. That's two of the last three games now where he's seen at least eight targets. And Bradley Roby was also just suspended for PEDs. He was the only really decent option to guard number one or opposing wide receiver ones. And they got Philip Gaines and company who, who aren't very good. So I'm all about uh, Michael Pittman as a strong, strong, strong wide receiver three play this week. What about the rest of the wide receivers? They haven't been fantasy relevant in a while. Yeah, I'm not trusting anyone other than Michael Pittman of the receivers. I know T.Y. Hilton finally found the end zone last week, but prior to that, he has been... To Jiminy, your cricket is slowly but surely becoming a toast football player. Just a nice piece of toast. Let's go to the backfield. Jonathan Taylor, before he went on the uh, the COVID list, looked like he was taking strides to take over the backfield. 22 carries, I mean 22 touches, excuse me, in the game prior, but then he went out. Um, fast forward a little bit. Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines, you know the deal. I, I mean, is there any way to even know how these running backs are going to be used? And if that's the case, are you staying away from them? Like, how would you rank these running backs? Which ones would you feel comfortable starting? Uh, it, it's it's just a tough situation because I know a lot of people are probably depending on Naheem Hines probably mostly and then Jonathan Taylor next. Yeah, I actually think they're both strong plays, Tim. Dude, there are three teams this season. The Bengals, the Texans, and the Cowboys. Those are the only three teams to have allowed over 1,300 rushing yards. The Bengals have allowed 1,318. The Cowboys, 1,438. The Texans, 1,564. They're allowing over 140 rushing yards against them per game to opposing running backs. 14 rushing touchdowns with leads the league. They're also allowing 479 receiving yards per game to opposing running backs. Over uh, four receptions per game allowed to opposing running backs. They are a running back stream. So I'm all about starting Taylor and Hines as wide receiver, excuse me, as running back twos this week. Um, they said that Jordan Wilkins might be a bit banged up. He's been practicing, but it's, it's I don't know, it was odd. The coach said that he was banged up, but then he's getting in full practices, so maybe he's fine. Um, but either way, I'm not trusting Jordan Wilkins, and he's slowly but surely been becoming like the clear number three in that backfield. So I do think... Taylor and Hines are strong running back twos this week. If you played Trey Burton in the which tight end is going to win game this week for the Colts, guess what? You guessed correctly. Congratulations, Woo! Michael. Uh, does this give you any hope for what we could see in the future? Or is this just a game where it's like, okay, it was Trey Burton this time. Could be someone else next time. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Trey Burton was looking like he was going to be a possibly like a weak winner. That's how hot he started. He had three receptions, 42 yards, and a touchdown in the first quarter. He ended with three receptions, 42 yards, and a touchdown. <laughs> classic. Uh, classic Colts tight ends. Um, Houston has been beatable four tight ends this year, and this is now back-to-back -back games where Trey Burton has put up double-digit fantasy points in half PPR leagues. So, yeah, I think he's a streamable option here. Um, it seems like he's... There was a couple of games there where you couldn't really tell. It does seem like Trey Burton's at least the, the main guy ahead of Doyle and Allie Cox at the moment, so I do think there's some streaming appeal here for Trey Burton. 
Uh, anyone else you want to talk about in this game? Nope, they do. All right, let's go into the next game. Browns at the Titans. The Browns finally came alive when they weren't playing in a monsoon. Um, Baker Mayfield was an option. Jarvis Landry was a great option. Uh, do you think that that's something that could run back against the Titans defense that's been very susceptible to getting beat by the pass? Yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry said welcome back non-monsoon weather and had a very nice game against Jacksonville. Baker Mayfield ended up as the QB 12 overall. Um, I'm still not on the start Baker Mayfield bandwagon. I know he had those monsoon games and he's been two games outside of the monsoon game since OBJ went down. He's been pretty decent, but I want to give it at least another week because this team is such a run heavy team. And I do think they're going to continue just try to run the ball down uh, the Titans throats. This is actually one of the highest, if not the highest, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Vegas game lines this week, which is interesting for two teams that like to run the ball a ton. But I do think this is just going to be a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt game, and then sprinkle the ball to Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper uh, by Baker Mayfield. Because, dude, Nick Chubb is so ridiculously good. Like, it's a little absurd how good Nick Chubb is. He has 115 carries on the season and has 719 rushing yards. Oh, my God. He's, he's like a lock for 100 yards every single game at this point. He's gone... Four of six games this year that he's been active, he's gone over 100 yards. Every single time he's seen more than 10 touches, he touches, he's gone over 100 yards. Like the dude is just a baller. So, Kareem Hunt, a little disappointed in Kareem Hunt last week against Jacksonville. Man, another great matchup here against Tennessee, but he went 10 for 62 on the ground against Jacksonville. They didn't even catch a pass, and then the week prior to that, he caught one pass. The pass-catching work just hasn't been there for him, and that's very upsetting because Nick Chubb went 3-for-32 in the air last week against Jacksonville. Like, if this is just becoming a split backfield rather than Kareem Hunt getting the majority of the pass-catching work as well, then he becomes less enticing. Against Tennessee, I'm giving him another shot here as an RB2. It's a great matchup. He's going to get work. I do think he bounces back, but, I mean, it's a little scary to see him kind of falling out of favor in the pass catching department. I think that's the, the biggest thing with, with Kareem Hunt is that he's not nearly, he, he hasn't been all year, but particularly lately has not been particularly involved in the pass game. And you just think to yeah. yourself, like this wasn't the case last year. And um, his skill set is, you know, it's kind of being wasted like that, but yeah, it's concerning because Nick Chubb is obviously the better of the two. But that, like I said, I, I believe that both these guys are top five backs in the NFL. I just think that Nick Chubb's number one. So yeah, uh, I think that's where you're getting that. Um, and then real quick, Jarvis yeah. Landry, I think he's a decent wide receiver three play. Like I'm not going to, again, recency virus, 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 recency, by, by, holy moly. You got this, Mike. You got this. Recency bias. Woo! Is a hell of a drug <laughs> because now Jarvis Landry's expert consensus ranking is wide receiver 24. This dude has one good game all season. His second game of the year as a top 35 option, top 36 option. Only the second time ever he's been a wide receiver three or better this year. And now he's being ranked as wide receiver 24. Like, no. All right. No. Like, I'll, I'll play him as a wide receiver three. I prefer him as a flex play. I'd like to see him do it again before just jumping back onto the 
Oh, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, start him bandwagon as if he hasn't been atrocious all season long. Austin Hooper, it looks like a good matchup in this one. Are you playing him with confidence? Austin Hooper is a guy that has just been so frustrating at times this season. Um, right when you think he's going to break out, he doesn't. He seems like he has a good matchup. He doesn't do much. He's been consistently average for weeks now. Like, he, he caught a touchdown last week, which really saved him. He only had two receptions. It's three straight games now where he hasn't topped three receptions. So, it's a great matchup on paper against Tennessee. But again, if you catch a damn touchdown as a tight end, you're likely going to be a tight end one. So, I'm fine with streaming Austin Hooper. You just, you'd like to see him be a little more involved in the offense than he has been over the last several weeks. Uh, anyone else you want to talk about in the Browns, the other wide receiver options? No, that's about it. I'm not starting Hollywood Higgins, Kaderil Hodge, none of those guys. Yeah. Um, let's go to the Titans side. The Titans obviously had a pretty damn good game last week. Miles, Sa- I mean, Miles Sanders, Miles Garrett um, on the comeback trail, so something to look out for there. Um, I mean, with the Titans, again, it's very... It's very obvious what you're doing here, right? I think that you could start Ryan Tannehill as a streamer, no problem. You could start A.J. Brown, of course. You could start Corey Davis, who's been fantastic. You could start Derrick Henry. Um, outside of that, the only thing that you're playing with is do you start Jonu Smith or not? He didn't practice on Wednesday, so I'm not sure that Jonu Smith is even a good play. Anthony Ferkser has been getting on the field more than Jonu Smith, has been seeing more targets than him in, in, in a couple of games. So not really someone I could trust. So really, it's simple for me. Start Hill, start A.J. Brown, start Corey Davis if you have to, and start Derrick Henry, and that's really it. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Um, A.J. Brown locked and loaded. Corey Davis, like you said, has been great. Um, super consistent. He's wide receiver 20 in true throw value, so that agrees with the start Corey Davis. And look, it's a good matchup here against Cleveland. Cleveland has actually been more porous through the air than they have been on the ground this season. Every single game this year, outside of the Chicago game, Corey Davis has been a wide receiver three or better. Well, he was wide receiver 41 one game, but he put up nine fantasy points. He's been super, super consistent this season. I don't think that changes this week against Cleveland. I think he's a very solid wide receiver three play, and if he finds the end zone, could be a lot more. I'm all aboard the Corey Davis train as well. And then Jonu Smith, man, the problem with Jonu Smith, a lot of people don't know. Once Taylor Lewan went down, they asked him to start blocking a lot more. And that offense has been great over the last couple over the last couple games now. They needed some time to acclimate after the loss of Taylor Lewan, but they've really bounced back. And it's just Jonu Smith is not really a part of the offense now. And Taylor Lewan changed a lot for that offense. And Jonu Smith has been the biggest culprit here and that you really can't start him anymore mm. unfortunately unless you're in a, in a pancake league and you get points for pancakes. and now that i say that johnny smith is gonna go for like 80 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns anyone else you, got, you want to talk about in this game i feel like if jason was on he'd be pissed at me for saying you can't really start johnny smith <laughs> no i'm good i'm good with this game because you know you got to start Dick king henry mr king henry about to go for 808 touchdowns over the next two games facts he's gonna win people some championships um, let's go over to our next game then. Uh, it is the Lions at the Bears. Lions and uh, Bears. Tigers and Bears. Oh, my. Um, obviously, the biggest headline is 
The Troob train rolls on. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky is going to start. His head coach giving him the great vote of confidence where someone asked, is Mitch Trubisky the starter next year? And he says, I mean, the starter next game. And he said, I don't see why not. Just outstanding confidence in your young quarterback. Um, but if there's one thing to say is that, look, I remember when I was playing in baseball, there was this kid, Tony, uh, you know, Joey's Joey's brother. I mean, Joey's cousin, Michael. I think you know Tony. Um, he was this young stud that was one of the um, the young studs in my in my young baseball league who was going to be a star. And although he was pretty good, he never really like lived up to that. But for some reason, he owned me. I could not get a hit off this guy if my life depended on it. Um, the way he pitched, his delivery, the what he did with it, he just he would strike me out on three pitches every time. He knew it too. I would come up and he would be like, "Oh, nice, an easy out." Um, that's like Mitch Trubisky versus the Lions. Mitch Trubisky has absolutely owned the Lions. Three touchdowns in each of his last four games against the Lions, including a game this year. Um, <laughs> it's the Lions, man. Like, you, you, I, I think Mitch Trubisky's a streamer. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky, even last week, ended as a uh, starting option. And look, as much as we like the shit on Mitchell Trubisky, the fact of the matter is they really should have turned back to him a while ago. Nick Foles has been atrocious. Nick Foles was 34th in true throw value. 33rd, actually, excuse me. He's 33rd on the season in true throw value. Mitchell Trubisky is 15th. So his throws have been worth a lot more generally. When we updated Allen Robinson's true target value from um, Mitch Trubisky, from Nick Foles to Mitch Trubisky, Allen Robinson went from a wide receiver three around wide receiver 30 to wide receiver seven overall. Like, so if he's seeing the amount of targets he's been seeing from Mitch Trubisky that he was seeing from Nick Foles and company, Allen Robinson is in a way better spot than he was a few weeks ago. And he has a glorious matchup to end the year matchups. And he was one of my buy low targets. So I'm all aboard the Allen Robinson train this week. I do think I don't. It's very ugly. I don't want to start Mitchell Trubisky as a streamer. But there's some leagues, 12 QB, uh, 12 team leagues, 14 team leagues, where everyone in the league carries a backup for whatever reason. And if you're forced to start Mitchell Trubisky, you, I don't think you're going to hate it. Like, I do think he at least has a decent fantasy performance. Like, he was trash against Green Bay, but it was a f decent fantasy performance. That's just the way it's been. One person that's definitely happy to see Mitchell Trubisky back under center is Allen Robinson. Uh, his production goes up tremendously when Mitchell Trubisky is under center. We saw that like, last game again. This is a home run matchup. I mean, yep. uh, Allen Robinson has wide receiver one overall potential this week. Am I bugging? No, I mean, like I said, the true value when we switched Foles to Trubisky, wide receiver 30 to wide receiver seven. Like, that, it's that drastic compared to the targets of those two. So, yeah, I do think he has some wide receiver one overall potential here against Detroit. I mean, Will Fuller was just the wide receiver two, not wide receiver one, because Terry Hill went off against Detroit. What about Darryl, on Thanksgiving. What about Daryl Mooney? The, the Mooney line continues to be targeted a bunch. It's just really hard for me to trust a secondary option in a Mitchell Trubisky offense. But you love to see the targets, man. Like, he had nine targets last week against Green Bay. I don't want to trust Darnell Mooney 
in a deep league, maybe 14, 16 team league. I do think he's an interesting option, though. Michael, you're going to hate me in a second. Tim, here we go. Goodness gracious. David, just, just, just speak. David Montgomery against the best matchup for running backs is a home run play. I said it. There it is. I said it in music, so you can't get mad at me. I'm singing it, so that means it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the reasons why Detroit <laughs> is so bad, one of the reasons why Detroit is so bad against the run is because they've given up seven touchdowns receiving to opposing running backs. I don't think David Montgomery finds the end zone catching the ball this why week. Not? So Because he sucks. I mean, <laughs> I just have to say, David Montgomery, yes, he stinks. The dude sucks. He had like a 60-yard run against Green Bay and got caught from behind because I don't think he could ever outrun a defensive player. The, um, I, yo, every time he breaks away, he gets caught from behind like crazy. Yeah, and it's crazy to me because this dude's expert consensus ranking at the moment is RB9. Like last time he was RB, a top 10 running back was week two. The next week he was RB39. Like, why are we just forgetting that David Montgomery sucks? Yes, he's going to get a bunch of touches. Yes, he's playing against Detroit, which is a great matchup. If you're starting David Montgomery as an RB1, you're absolutely bugging out. He's an RB2, as always, with a decent floor because he gets so many touches. You better hope he finds a damn end zone, though, if you're trying to trust this guy as an RB1. It's just so ridiculous to me. Like, I don't care how good the season he had a good matchup against Tennessee and ended with 40 yards. So get that shit out of my face, David Montgomery, running back one. Jeez Louise, people piss me off sometimes. Michael, you know what's coming, right? What's coming, Tim? David Montgomery, top 15 running back bet. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait to do the bet review show because it's going to be just me versus you because Jason doesn't like to bet anymore. And I'm going to win every single one of them. Did you forget what happened the last couple of years? Okay, that's what I thought. No, um, did you remember? Did you forget what happened just last week when I created the, the when I won the Turkey Bowl? All right, you won the Turkey Bowl. Congrats! Yeah. I was trying to give you an extra point for the end of the season. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. One and <laughs> give you something to feel good about. One and zero. Um, <laughs> let's go over to the Lions side because it, this one's an interesting one. Daryl Bevel taking over. He says that he wants to go more up tempo. Um, it's interesting. These balls are de- the bevel. I don't. I don't really know what to do with this. I don't really know what to do with that information. I think that an up tempo offense is is better, but you know, Matt Stafford does have the injured thumb. He does throw some interceptions from time to time, so that could be better for the Bears defense um, in general overall. Uh, bevel said he's optimistic Swift will play, but Adrian Peterson said that uh, Swift has been acting differently since he hurt his his head in the concussion. So that's a little concerning. Yeah, and then like an hour after that report, I see he's cleared from the concussion protocol and is actually dealing with an illness. Like, what? I don't know. Like, Obviously, it's better. Maybe he's just like foggy because he's dealing with an illness and not from a concussion with his brain rattled up. That's certainly the preferred option. I just want to know what the hell's going on with this dude. Kenny Galladay Galladay has been one of the most... um... Yeah, he's basically basically ruled out at this point. Yeah, he's ruled out again. Um, very disappointing if you spent the high draft pick on Kenny Galladay. Personally, for me, I I was in a dynasty startup and I traded my first round pick la, la, next year 
for Kenny Galladay. And uh, I regret doing that now. Um, I don't but, blame you. Yeah. So, how do you feel about this this Lions offense? For me, if I could avoid going down the train, I am. I don't want any of these pass catchers, really. Like I, we, I told you about my hesitations on Marvin Jones, and the Bears have been great against wide receivers and quarterbacks. Um, DeAndre Swift, I'll play as a flex play if he plays, but again, he hasn't been good. Uh, he hasn't been good in terms of like his health. I don't know. I don't know if I could trust anyone on this Lions team. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Jones, expert consensus ranking wide receiver 30. That's just a joke to me. The Bears have allowed seven receiving touchdowns all year to opposing wide receivers. Um, They're third in the league in fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And over the last two weeks without Kenny Galladay, like Marvin Jones had a nice three-game stretch there, but has really come back down to earth these last couple weeks. Four for 51 against Carolina and only six for 48 against Houston despite seeing 12 targets. Like. He hasn't been the big-time player that we've seen in the past, and he was really being buoyed by touchdowns as well, that three-game stretch where he was very effective. Against Chicago, I'm certainly looking elsewhere. Expert consensus has him at wide receiver 30. I have him at wide receiver 41. I still think he's a decent flex play because he is the number one guy on that team, but I would rather not trust him this week. And then TJ Hawkinson, Chicago has been a bit porous against tight ends. But at this point, you know what you're getting from TJ Hawkinson. He's going to end somewhere between tight end 5 and 12. Put I will, him in your lineup. I'll play TJ Hawkinson. I take it. Yeah, like you start TJ Hawkinson. With the way this tight end landscape is, he doesn't have the ceiling that you want, but oh well. You start him. And then DeAndre Swift. If DeAndre Swift is active, I'm excited for it because I do expect him to be back in that workhorse role. So, yeah, I'd be very excited about that. I'd... uh. I have, I'd have him right there on the RB1, uh, RB2 uh, area right there on 10 to 15, somewhere in that area. Currently, I have him at RB10. I just want to see if he's going to have the full workload or not. If it's on Johnson and AP, I become a lot less interested because they're just sharing the work. AP stole the touchdowns last week. on Johnson got a bunch of work in between the red zone. I mean, outside of the red zone, so... I'd rather I'd definitely keep away from the backfield. That is all for the first docket of games. We have the next eight games coming at you in episode number two. Make sure to check that out. Although the phenomenon is that people actually check out episode number two before they check out episode number one. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's the case, but that's how the numbers fall. Michael, where could they find you? At BrotoFF Mike. You can find me at BrotoFF Tim and Jason at BrotoFF Jason. See what we did there. At Broto Fantasy for everyone, BrotoFantasy.com. For all of us and our staff writers and everything you need for fantasy football, plus the exclusive stat, true throw value, and true target value, and patreon.com slash brotofantasy to get extra episodes to support the show and tons more. It's late, so let's get right into the next one. What do you say, Mike? Let's do it. All right. Later. Later.